0: Welcome to you if you're new or you're visiting here. My name is Pete, I'm the pastor. And uh, just before our Bible reading, I need to invite your interaction, please. So, uh, could you find a piece of paper in your pack that has a, a rectangle on it that says sermon notes? And then above that, it says five objects that, if I had them, would make my life easier. Have you got something that looks like that? Okay. You'll need a pen as well. So you may have one, or if you haven't, then James is kindly willing to dash around with some pens. And Brian, thank you guys to give you a pen. So, can I I genuinely ask you to do this with me? Five objects that, if you had them, they would make your life easier. Or let me sharpen that a little bit. If you got £100,000 this week, maybe it's an inheritance, maybe it's a massive bonus, maybe it's a gift from some incredible person. £100,000, five things that you would buy... And I'm not going to ask you to share in public, okay? So be honest. Can you have a go? Just write down for a moment five five things you would buy if you had £100,000 all of a sudden. If you're watching at home, you can play as well. Five things you would buy. Take a moment. I've got a list of five too, and I'm going to put mine aside. I want you to hold on to yours, and we'll come back to this, okay? Because Jesus is going to talk to us about possessions today. And I believe he can persuade you, you don't need them. And I know that's a big deal, because you, I, I, I'm holding these things, I'm thinking, but I do. <laughs> these things will make my life a lot better. And, and if Jesus is as powerful and as good as, as I've heard he is, then I think he can persuade us that we don't. Okay. Up for that? So, let's read the Bible. Keep hold of that, we'll come back to it later. Luke Chapter 12. And it's on page 1044. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, page 1044. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid out for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. we pray. Father God, please would you teach us, if it's true that you're rich towards us, then please teach us what it means to be rich towards you. Amen. 60 seconds, 60 seconds to take in the ring of tributes all equidistant from the cornucopia, a giant golden horn shaped like a cone. With a curved tail, the mouth of which is at least seven meters high, spilling over with the things that will give us life here in the arena: food, containers of water, weapons, medicine, garments, fire starters. I confess, I am a fan of the Hunger Games. Anybody else want to just get that out in the open? Thank you very much. So I devoured these a few years ago, and then I had to watch all the films, and I really like that. So the Hunger Games—if you don't know it—it's. It's a story about a girl called Katniss Everdeen, and she's a teenage girl, and she finds herself in this, well, she's in this world where um, the the, the, the outer regions of her country exist to serve the capital. And most brutally, that's expressed when they summon teenagers from all across the country to come and be in this brutal reality TV show called The Hunger Games. And this is the moment she starts her go in the the televised Hunger Games and suddenly, you know, the, the clock starts and everyone's supposed to grab everything they can and it is literally life or death. So if someone gets you, then they kill you and the one person gets out alive. And look, Jesus is talking to us today about possessions and I want to say to you, if the universe is closed, if it's like an arena where nothing else gets in, then take your list of five things and, and go and get it, right? Because there are no rules, there's no, no right or wrong, there's no ethics, no good or bad. Grab what you can while you can. It's like the Hunger Games. But if we live in a universe that's not like a closed arena, if we live in a place where there's a God and He's good and He loves you and He's rich towards you and this is a channel of grace towards you, then you're not playing that game right there's there's that changes things that changes your your perspective and your ethic and you're you're thinking hmm maybe I don't have to grab everything while while I can maybe there's something else that my life's about so thankfully we don't live in the one giant Hunger Games arena where we're just materialists I've got to get it while I can we live in God's world If you're new here then we've been um, reading through Luke's gospel and this is the story of Jesus Christ who changed the world and we've been tracking through it like an inch at a time <laughs> it's, been, it's been what, like 18 months now and we've got up to this point and Jesus he has got two sections on money and this is the first one and the next one we do is going to be part two and I've called it Materialism is Foolish because Jesus is really blunt and you notice he says fool you're a fool if you live like a materialist so I'm going to try and be as blunt as he is. This week we're going to look at greed, and Jesus says, "Be on your guard against all kinds of greed." That's kind of a kind of a rich person's issue, like greed. Oh, I've got quite a, I've got an abundant harvest. I just quite like some more. That's greed. And but next week, beware if you're poor, because Jesus is going to turn to the rest of us and say, "And if you don't think you've got very much, then God will God will take care of you. Even if you feel like a flower blowing in the field, you know. And but He will clothe you, and He loves you. So." Uh, greed on the one hand this week and, and worry on the other hand next week. Life is, of course, very hard at the moment, and I, I know that when we turn to think about money. We're in a cost of living crisis, the bills are rising. I, I think we probably have less in real terms than for a generation, probably. I wonder what gets you stressed at the moment? <laughs> what is like your heart? palpitation thing economically is it when you look at your fuel bill and you think how, how much is it when you, you look at your food bill and you think but how, how can it cost this much to buy the food I've always bought is it when you, you think of the cost of eating out at a restaurant and you get the bill in front of you is it just the thought of getting on the tube and you think I can't afford that anymore I, I, I can't get there is it looking at a summer holiday and thinking I'd really like a holiday but I can't afford it this year is it the mortgage documents that get you panicking? Is it, um, is it when you see on your phone or something that your, your, your spouse, your partner, has spent something you think is ludicrous and you think, what, why have you done that? I wonder what it is that sets your heart rate racing at the moment economically. Look, remember, we don't live in a closed universe. God is for us, he's rich towards us and that doesn't have to be our life. And the last thing by way of introduction I want you to remember is that when Jesus calls someone a fool, that doesn't just mean you're dumb, you're stupid. You know, that's the the way we tend to use fool. But remember what we looked at in Proverbs together a few months ago? Fool means you're not wise. So fool means I'm I'm not living in the fear of the Lord. So rich people are often clever. They've got brains. It helps them make money. But you can be a rich fool. That's that's this guy we're about to look at. It just means you've got more brains to be foolish with right so remember the basic difference in the bible between wise and foolish wisdom involves living in the fear of the lord look what i want to do is um, we've got a few moments together i want to tell the story this, this amazing parable that jesus handed down i was listening to a podcast lately which just said jesus was a genius just for saying the things he said somebody came up with the things he said and i don't think there's any ghostwriter script editor in the background I think it was Jesus so we're going to tell the story and then I'm going to tell the bigger story within which it's set, and we'll finish off thinking about how it affects us personally so firstly what is this story of the rich fool it begins with uh, a real life example someone shouts out hey tell my brother to invite divide the inheritance with me Jesus got interrupted quite a lot and this seems to be no different Notice it is not really a question. He's just asking, hey Jesus, can you just do this thing for me? I'd really like you to settle this inheritance dispute. And maybe you've experienced that when, when a loved one dies, it's supposed to be all sad, but it can quickly turn into, what about the money? Who gets what? So that's what this man was all about. I think, by the way, when Jesus says, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you, he's not saying, I'm not the judge of the world. He is. But he's saying, I haven't been appointed to this particular dispute in this particular instance, so why are you involving me? But, verse 16. Do you see that? Or do you just want to listen carefully? Verse 16. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Just pause there. We've got got a farmer. Can Can you almost picture him on his big tractor on his land notice he hasn't done anything wrong at this point, right he's hard working I think, he's, he's in business as a farmer, it's not like he's gamed the system or he's indulged in fraud or anything, he's just had an abundant harvest and he thinks that's amazing, what should we say 100,000 pounds extra this year on what he was expecting from his farm Whoa! the weather conditions were perfect this is brilliant, I've got loads of grain Wonder what it'd be like for you to have that problem if you just got started getting pay slips. Oh my goodness, this is a fantastic salary that I'm suddenly being paid. Oh my word, the bonus is amazing this year. Perhaps you watch the digits on your mobile banking app just go up. Oh wow, this is great. Verse eighteen. Then he said, "This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself." You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. There's the payoff, right? I have plenty laid up for many years. So suddenly he's got his pension sorted, right? He's paid off his mortgage. He's even starting to think, hmm, I could get a second home. I could, I could buy something abroad in that country I've always liked visiting on holiday. That would be good. And look, because we know the end of the story, we're conditioned to look down on this guy. So if you, if you know the Bible catch yourself doing that? Oh, he says, fool, silly man. I mean, he, he should know better. Hold on, because if you're honest, I find myself having to do this. If you're honest, don't you kind of think, good businessman, savvy businesswoman, right? But he he's doing the right thing. He's got an abundant harvest. He's, trying to, he's thinking about the long term. He's going to store it. He's going to invest it. He's going to do well. So you've got to be fair to the guy and also doesn't a bit of you think that's my dream I, I, I'd really like that if I got such a big yield, I, I'd be set I'd be okay I'd be making plans in fact I, might, I have a little daydream about that now what would I do so be careful because you can stand alongside this guy and, and think exactly the same thoughts what's the problem with it then if we actually, many of us are dreaming about that. What's the problem? Because I've called this sermon, Materialism is Foolish. But what's actually foolish about doing that? Three things, according to verse 20, which is where the rubber hits the road. Three things that the man has lost sight of. His lifespan, his life source, and his life purpose. Just touch on each of those. Verse 20. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. So I want to say to you, he's lost sight of his lifespan. It's nice to think you've got a long life, isn't it? Nice to think you'll get 80 years, maybe 90, who knows? Nice to think there'll be some golf in your retirement. I don't like golf. But you know, nice to think there'll be some, oh, I don't know, box sets or gardening or go and see my grandchildren, whatever it might be. You don't know. This springtime could be your last springtime. The birthday that you recently celebrated could be your last birthday. The kiss you gave to your family could be the last kiss you give them. Someone I know, they said at Christmas to their uh, husband, isn't it great that we've got both sets of parents who are still alive and healthy? First week of January, a devastating diagnosis came their way. And just this week they've gone to say goodbye to one of their parents, it's probably, probably the last time because it's an it's a aggressive illness. You don't know the span of your life. You know the date you were born on but you don't know the date you'll die on. So it is foolish to pretend otherwise. Second thing he's lost sight of is his life source. Verse 20 again. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Literally in, in Greek, it's demanded back from you. So God owns your soul and it reverts to him when you die. He owns it. I want to give you an, an example. Uh, when we moved into uh, the vicarage here five years ago, we were going from two-bedroom flat to vicarage. And uh, we didn't have enough furniture to even have people to sit on things or put plates on. So people were generous and they gave us stuff. And, and I remember one couple in particular, they said, here's, here's some stuff. We, you know, we don't need it at the moment. Here's, here's some stuff. So if you've ever been in my kitchen and you've seen a big rug, that belongs to these generous people. And they said, we don't need it at the moment. So this is kind of a long-term loan. Uh, we, who knows what we'll be in the future. We may, we may come and ask you for it, but just, just use it and enjoy it because we, we're not at the moment now it's been five years and I really like that rug you know, I, I, I take a lot of pleasure from it it fits the space perfectly it's, it's warm on your feet in a theory my friends could come back now and say can I have my rug back please because we've, we've moved house and we have got a bit more space for it I'd be a bit aggrieved I'd think oh, it's been five years uh, you, know, you didn't give me any warning um, but I would think but it's yours you, you, were, you were clear with me you can demand it back whenever you want your soul belongs to God his, his, it's life source you didn't ask for it when you were born and he has every right to demand it back in fact he says that's what will happen to you one day can I have that back please third thing the man's lost sight of his life purpose so his lifespan, his life source and third thing his, his life purpose verse 20 ends then who will get what you have prepared for yourself See, the man was preparing things for himself. That, that was his life purpose, but he got that wrong. <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast from The Economist, I think it was recently. They were talking through you know, how to help in the cost of living crisis. And one of the interesting things they said was, um, if you've got kids, don't hide your money worries from them. In fact, just talk, talk about it as openly as you can, and you might like to play Monopoly with them. <laughs> I thought, what? Uh, and they said, yeah, yeah, Monopoly, it's quite good, because you know, you get them to... Yeah, they have to sort of pay with notes, and then they have to do the change, and and they said, and it teaches them that that life is really unfair. So you know, someone always wins Monopoly, and you think, oh, that could have been me. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. Capitalism is unfair. And so I was going along with all of this, and then they stopped, and I thought, and isn't it good for our kids to learn that at the end of the game everything goes back in the box? And isn't that a bit like possessions? You know, at, at the end of the game. Everything just goes back in the box. I die, and someone else gets my stuff. In fact, that's a really strange thought if you pursue it. Isn't it weird that in your kitchen, where you think this is my kitchen, this is where I boil, I I make my cup of tea here, this is my kettle, this is my bedroom where I sleep. Well, one day it won't be, will it? And And one day someone will be in your kitchen, I expect, and they'll make a cup of tea and they'll think this is my kitchen. And they'll go upstairs to your bedroom and they'll think, this is my bedroom. And they're like, because you'll be gone and your stuff will have passed to somebody else and then who will get what you prepared for yourself. So life is not about the abundance of your possession. We're not supposed to just store up all these things for ourselves because thirdly, that's not your life's purpose. So what is your life's purpose? What is the point if this is the case? Verse twenty-one. This is this is the crucial one, right? So, if you pay attention to one thing, please pay attention. Verse twenty-one. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Don't store up things for yourself, but be rich towards God. Your life's for Him. Remember your piece of paper with your five things on. If you lived in a Hunger Games universe where it was closed and go go get them guys you know let's go from this place and grab everything we can I would advise you to hold on to that with all your might but you don't you live in a universe with a good god who is rich towards you so you can be rich towards him <clears throat> the biggest story so we've done we've done the parable of the rich fool I want to tell you the biggest story and in doing so persuade you you don't need this the biggest story is called Luke's Gospel. And the biggest story is about a man called Jesus Christ, who was rich. I mean, he was filthy rich, he had abundant harvests, and he was used to like sapphire pavements and angel armies and the, 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 the choruses of heaven, and he became poor. In fact, it amazed me to realize he said, "Hey, I've got this massive inheritance. I'm the prince of the universe. Let me divide it with all those people over there." Isn't that amazing? he said you know all those distant Gentiles who like, hate me and they use my name as a swear word I'm going to actually divide my inheritance amongst all of those guys because I love them so he comes to earth He's laid in a dirty old manger with a like, disgusting um, situation for a baby to be and then he grows up as a carpenter earning a pittance and then he cr- earns a following and he earns a reputation for doing things like touching someone with leprous um, what's the word? Skin that can, what's the word I've lost? If I touch you, pardon? Infect, Infect. yeah, thank you, yeah. Contagious as well, yeah. and um, He does like that and he wipes the tears away from sobbing, grieving mothers. And and for all that, he gains the following and they say, right, thank you, we're gonna crucify you because you seem to claim to be the king. So he gets pinned up and executed. That's the biggest story, Jesus Christ. And yet he loves you and he says, how about I swap places with you and you have my inheritance and I'll take yours. The wrath and the death, your Jew. He splits his millions with us. So God is rich towards us. Amen? Hallelujah? Yes. Right. So that's the big story, right? That's what we're involved in. That's the universe we live in. So let's think what does it mean then, these intriguing final words? How can you be rich towards God? I want to suggest to you it's a bit like a beating heart. You know, a, a physical heart in a human body, it just carries on beating and it's the, kind of like the center of your body. It just keeps on pumping out blood. It keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. I want to suggest to you that that is like God. He's so gracious every day. He just keeps pouring out goodness and grace every sunrise, every meal, every relationship, everything good that you've enjoyed. I expect you could make a list of 10 things that you've enjoyed this morning because God has given them to you. He's also good to us in salvation, so he gives us Jesus Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit, he gives us every good gift and encourages us into his kingdom and into his family. So you see, God is like this beating heart, pumping generously all the time. And Jesus tells this mini story of the rich fool in the middle of that bigger story. So Jesus is literally on the road to Jerusalem when he tells this story. He knows the generosity of God and the miserliness, the stinginess of the human race. He knows that people are about to kill him. Jesus knew the Ten Commandments, so he knew that the Tenth Commandment says, do not covet. And he knows that the human race we have been terrible at that. And yet God keeps pumping out his riches. The great news is, the Hunger Games is not your story. The rich fool is not your story. This is your story. You have have the story of the the rich God the generous God you get to join the rich towards God school where he just keeps going just keeps pouring out his grace towards you so what I want to invite you to do is take your piece of paper and if you are sufficiently persuaded that God is good and will continue to be rich towards you I want you to tear it up don't do it if you're not persuaded but if Jesus has said enough to make you think if I didn't have those five things God would still be rich towards me tear it up It's quite good, doesn't it? If, you, you've got to fill your heart with this. thing, got to fill your heart with Jesus. He's rich towards me. Wow, that puts things in perspective. So what's Jesus' invitation to us then, if you've, if you've torn that up? Well, look, I think it goes like this in its simplest form. I'm rich towards you. Do you want to be rich towards me? It's like a, it's like a two-way street. Or in terms of our heart, you know, I'm going to keep pumping. I'm going to keep being good to you. Do you want to, like pump some blood back I'm I'm no biologist but I understand if I'm like a cell in the human body then my job is to sort of take oxygen from the blood but then I sort of I don't know get rid of it I I, I veins send deoxygenated blood back to the heart so I want to suggest you your job is to be rich towards God you pass it on there has to be an outflow and the one who gave me this example let me just tell you the story of Jonathan Ruffer because I found him really encouraging he's a man called Jonathan Ruffer and I've read about him in the spectator some time ago but Jonathan Ruff is a a private fund manager, which I realized is kind of code for fabulously rich. Uh, He he is so rich. I actually looked him up on Wikipedia to discover how rich he was, and like triple digit millions, rich. And yet, as I looked him up on Wikipedia, it said, here was was his wealth in 2014, and here was his wealth in 2020, and 221 million pounds had been wiped off his estimated net worth. strange what's happened to this man he must have fallen on hard times was that the recession was that covid something like that no i discovered as i read about him he's given it away mostly to the northeast of england where he's passionate about and he says in the spectator article look my theory of money goes like this there are only three things you can do with money you can spend it you can save it or you can give it away he says spending money, <laughs> that is obviously empty. You know, it doesn't. It, most rich people get there in the oh, I'll spend it all, I have loads of cars. Oh, I've kind of, I'm still, I can still be unhappy or miserable or die in, in that case. So he says most most people get that far. You can save it, and he says that's actually more subtle. But he says I've realised that if you save it's it's dangerous because you think it's a good idea but it poisons you so you're you're like a a cell that becomes bloated in the human body I'll just store all this up for myself but like if you hold something for too long in the human body it begins to poison you because you're a clot and he says saving can become like that if it stands still you're a blockage better he says thirdly if you give money away And uh, he says, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. There's great joy in that. He says, I feel light now that I've given 221 million pounds away. People come gold digging to me, and he says, sorry, there's genuinely no money because I've given it all away, so bye. He, He says, this is fabulous. I'm really embracing the way that Jesus has called me to live. And then he goes on to talk about his Christian faith. He's an evangelical Christian. My friends, do you want to be rich towards God? When I hear that story, I think, yeah. That sounds great. Maybe you've recently received a windfall, and actually today comes at a great time for you. Could you give some of it away? Could you give all of it away? Maybe you're trying to upgrade your barn at the moment. You know, and it, that might mean uh, upgrade your house, upgrade your car, upgrade your bike, upgrade your wardrobe, trainers, whatever it might be. Thinking you need a bigger, flashier version. Could it be? that you would get more joy by giving someone else some trainers some clothes a bike to ride something to wear or somewhere to live maybe maybe that phrase Jesus uses you know when he says be on your guard against all kinds of greed maybe maybe you need to beware I've realised this week as I've been preparing this there is greed for every occasion isn't it interesting Jesus says be on your guard against all kinds of greed And I've been thinking a lot about that. So I think there is greed for um, the employee and there is greed for the employer. I think there is greed for the, the bereaved person in an inheritance dispute. There is greed for the person purchasing a house. I think there is greed for someone filing their expenses. There is greed for someone who's trying to give to charity. I think there is greed for someone who's responding to a devastating earthquake And there is greed for someone who's buying a birthday present for someone that you. There's all kinds of greed. There's all sorts of good you can do. And then it can just, you know, it can get you again. Oh, my goodness. I I realise here it is again, this new opportunity for me to be greedy. Or maybe you just don't feel like you have enough to give anything away. I think that would be many people at the moment. Well, can you see, this is about more than money. Some of you, you may have absolutely not a penny, but maybe there's something else you've got. You know, Maybe God has given you time. Maybe God has given you skills and expertise. Maybe God has given you a big smile. And I, my goodness, some of you have such an encouraging smile. It's more encouraging than you know for you to <laughs> smile at your pastor. Forgive me, I, just, yeah, you, I value it. Or, or for you to smile at somebody or, or to spend time with them or to encourage them. Maybe you have a, a great cookie recipe that you could bake. Maybe you have messages that you can send. Maybe you have hugs that you could give to somebody. Do you see? Just pass it on. Just don't, don't, don't be like a bloated seller. Oh, I've like stalled out for myself because nobody else needs it. Pa- pass it on. Or as Jonathan Ruffer says, just recycle that wealth. Be on your guard, my friends. Materialism is foolish, but that's not your story. Let's pray together. Lord God Almighty, I'm, I'm looking at these torn up bits of paper on the floor in front of me, and I'm thinking, I still really like those objects, those things that I could buy, but I'd rather have you. And we praise you, Lord. But we praise you that you are rich towards us. We praise you for the grace that flows from heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you that we live in a world where we're able to say, in the middle of many crises, You are rich towards us and we pray therefore, Holy Spirit, that you would make us rich towards God. Help us, we pray, to recycle wealth, recycle what we've been given, to pass it on. We pray we'd be on our guard against all sorts of greed and we'd be joyful. I pray we'd be glad in all sorts of generosity. For we ask it in Jesus Christ, who is rich towards us. Amen.